there to put you in the drift. Until you decide what you want for life and you get clarity on it, you're in the drift. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Larry Roberts back with another awesome episode of the Readily Random Podcast. Today, my guest is called the Prophet Answer Man. His name is Rocky Lalvani, and he helps small business owners maximize their business's profits so that they have time and freedom to do what they really love and get the most out of every day that we have on this wonderful place we call the planet Earth. So very excited to finally actually talk to Rocky. We've known each other or of each other for quite some time now. It goes back to the PodMax family. You guys hear me talk about PodMax quite a bit. Everybody there's just tremendous, and Rocky is absolutely no different, so I can't wait to talk to him, get his insight on how we can profit more in our businesses and then how we can kind of reap those benefits of that profit each and every day. So, Rocky, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here with you today, Larry. So, did I get that right? I mean, you talk about profiting from your business more so that's one of your primary focuses? It is. I was shocked to learn that most business owners didn't look at their financial statements. How do you run a business and not look at your financial statements? Well, let's just be honest. If we look at our financial statements, it might not be the best day of the week for us. And I get it. But if you don't, it will not be the best day of your life for you. (laughs) So seriously, though, you're saying that in your experience, you you realize that many business owners don't look at their P&L? No. 80% of them look at their bank balance. They don't actually look at the P&L. By the time the P&L comes out, depending on who their bookkeeper is, it's old news. They're entrepreneurs. They're business people. What do I need to do today to make money in this moment? Not what happened 45 days ago or 60 days ago. That's a rear view mirror. And by that time, it doesn't matter anymore, right? They look at their bank balance. Do I have money? I'm going to spend it. I don't have money. I'm not going to spend. I got to go get some sales. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and I, I laugh because well, I can relate kind of, you know, I mean, I, I kind of go, all right, can I take that trip to Nashville? Let's see. Can I go to podcast movement? Let's see. Yeah, there's enough money in the bank. Let's do it. But yeah, I mean, I, I gotta be honest. I don't sit down and regularly look at you know, all of my costs or all of my daily operating expenses or missed opportunities or how, you know, even time, which gets away from us so often, it equals profit and loss as well. How do you help business owners take that realization and apply it each and every day? So a couple things. We've created a system that actually works uh, with business owners' bad habits. And that's what the profit first system is. So you look at your bank balance and go, can I spend? The problem is you've got this big wad of cash sitting in there and you forgot that you had to pay taxes. You might've forgotten that payroll was due. You forgot to take your paycheck. You forgot to take your profit. You forgot about some large expenses that are coming due. And so you start spending money that you technically have already allocated. And so this is all based on the book by Mike Michalowicz, Profit First. And Mike, did the same thing, right? Serial entrepreneur made the bad decisions until one day they showed up and they took the keys to the house and the car. So he hit bottom and he said, how did we get this so wrong? And he realized the first thing is the formula you're given is a formula for accountants and for Wall Street, which is sales minus expenses equals profit, which means profit is a leftover. Mike said, we need a new formula. Sales minus profit equals expenses. 
So we take our profit first, we pay ourselves first, and then we learn to live on what's left, which is your expenses, right? So it's just a mindset shift. And then what we do is we take advantage of Parkinson's law. So most people are not familiar with Parkinson's law. Parkinson's law says we will use up the, all the time and resources allocated. So if I come to you and you say, well, we've got a project, I'm like what's the budget? hundred grand. How long? Six months. You know how much you're going to spend? A hundred grand is going to take six months. But if I come to you and I go, my budget's 10 grand and I got three weeks, you find a way to do it on 10 grand in three weeks. Entrepreneurs are very resourceful. One thing we need to do is use that constraint and use Parkinson's law to our advantage. It's like you sit down, you watch a movie, you got a bag of chips. Next thing you know, there's no bag of chips. It's all gone. You ate it, right? You do the same thing with your bank account. So what Mike did is say, let us separate and open a bunch of bank accounts, which freaks people out. There's no reason to. Your bank is happy to do this. And when the money comes in, we put the money in our income account and they go, oh, look, this is how much money came in. It's clear as day, right? Because you can see it. And then we allocate it. We put money in our profit account. So if you said your business is supposed to have a 10% profit margin, then it should take the 10%, put it in the profit account. Then we put money in our pay account because most business owners pay themselves last, which is a farce. It's your business. You should get paid first, right? So we put money in your pay account and then we put money in the tax account so that when April 15th comes in and your accountant says, congratulations, you're profitable. You owe 30,000 bucks in tax. You don't fall over from a heart attack, right? You go, I have 30 grand in tax. You look at your tax account, you go, oh, look at that. There's 35 grand in there. You stroke a check, you go on with life. And then whatever is left goes in your operating expense account. And there's a lot of ways we massage this and, and do it differently for different businesses. But then you know that you've already allocated for the big things. And now you truly know what's left to spend. And then what you do is you go through all your expenses. We tell you to go through your expenses and ask yourself, are you spending on vanity, right? So, I'm a landscaper. I need a new pickup truck. Yeah. You don't need a $70,000 pickup truck. Okay. That's vanity, right? Your client doesn't care. Client doesn't care what your office looks like. They never even come there. Then there's stuff that you need to spend on to deliver a product or service. And so for those, we try to figure out better, less expensive ways to do it. And then finally, there's the costs involved in delivering your product. So if you're selling shirts, I got to buy shirts, right? And so how do we find better ways to lower all those costs? How often do you hear business owners talk about cutting expenses and they don't, you know, everyone tells you spend money to make money. That's because you're spending it with them. So of course they want you to, right? But you really need to cut your costs. The biggest problem I see with all my clients is they spend too much. And so you have to have, this is a business. What's the return on investment? And, and just put some constraints around yourself and just be smarter on how you spend. And that's literally what the whole system does. If you read the book, it's far more entertaining than that was. And it goes into a lot more detail. Or you can just listen to me talk about it. I teach everybody everything they need to know. Well, aren't you certified in this method? Yeah, I am. I'm partnered up with Mike. I'm one of his certified profit first professionals. And on my podcast, I teach. So now what does that mean? What have you gone through to, to get that certification? So it is an ongoing certification. I had to go through about six months of training. 
And then I had to take a test. You fail the test, you don't get the certification. Every year I have to take the test again and again. Like I, I had to take it again this year. They're like, we want to make sure you still know what you're doing. Sure. And so it is a, it's a certification program and we get all the support of the whole Profit First team. So they have ongoing training, one-on-one consulting and coaching. And then if I have questions that are unique to a client, I can bring it to Profit First. Somebody else has probably seen it so they can help in, in do all of that. So where do you see more people having this type of an issue? I mean, what you've described, I mean, I know people exactly like what you've described, where they're just operating off of their bank balance. And as someone that was on the outside looking into their business, I mean, one of them is one of my best good pals, right? And I'm like, bro, you can't do that, man. You're not, you're not really watching what's going on here. This is costing you a ton, but you think because you're still putting a little bit of money over here on the profit side that you're doing great when really you're got, it's, it's costing you more to make that money than it was to even not have the money in the first place. So where do you see that impacting the most? Is it the solopreneur or do you see this even going well above and beyond just your average everyday entrepreneur? I've got seven figure business owners who go, I I have no idea where my money is coming and going. So what you're saying is that it's possible to have seven figures and not follow this methodology because I'm kind of digging that. You can have seven figures in revenue and have no freaking clue where your money is. And you're spent like money is coming and going. You don't know until one day you wake up and your banker goes, you're cut off. No more money for you. And then everything implodes. Honestly, one of the biggest reasons businesses fail is they grow too fast. Okay. And you don't realize that because your problems explode and your cash flow needs explode. And if you don't have the cash to pay for growth, you're going to struggle. Yeah. And I've seen that firsthand as well. Another example is someone that I know they had a bakery was doing really well. They branched out. They launched another bakery, similar market. They just went to a different facility and they launched their second location. Second location went up, hung out for a couple months. Second location went down. And everybody around them said, bro, don't do it. Don't jump out there and launch this second location. It's too soon. You're not ready. And of course, we get these grand ideas and these delusions of grandeur in our head that we're going to be the next big empire. And yeah, we end up overextending ourselves and then cutting our noses off to spite our face. How do you avoid that, man? You implement profit first and you either. So as a business owner, you have to wear a lot of hats. Sure. One of them might be the Supreme hat, for example, but there are a ton of other hats that you have to wear. (laughs) If you're not wearing the hat of the financial person in your business, you're going to have a problem. So either you do it or you find somebody who actually understands it. The problem is your accountant is more focused on your tax return. They have no idea how to teach you how to be profitable. Your bookkeeper doesn't know how to be profitable. They know how to put the things in the, the software where it's supposed to go under the right category, but they can't actually help you to be profitable. So you need somebody, if it's not you, then you need somebody to help you on how to think through the profit stuff. And you also have to realize everyone's got a money story, right? You learned about money at some point in your life, probably back when you were a little kid, you've probably got scripts in there that are messing you up. So people out there go, "Mm, rich people are evil. Guess who's never going to be rich? (laughs) The person who said that, right? Because the moment they start to get money, they they start to fear that they're going to be evil. 
And so they lose their money. Some people are, you know, told a whole, like you, you probably heard, like, what did your parents tell you growing up about money? Oh, I mean, I grew up in a very strict religious household, at least part of it was. And, you know, mom was very religious. Dad, he believed in the church, but not quite as stringently as mom. But it was always, you know, you hear the story. It's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. So that in and of itself tells you straight up, money corrupts. Money is evil. Money is bad. Now, guess what? We also, when I was in single digits, lived in the back of a trailer park. We lived in the maintenance shed of the trailer park. So we called it the Cracker Box. It was a one-room gig. And everything was built out of those big wire cables. You know, wires used to come on those big wooden round cables. That was our dinner table. Our furniture was milk crates and and like one-by-twelves. So we didn't have, we, I mean, we had less than no money. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it resonated there, but that's where that belief system comes into play. And, you know, I, I tried to fight it, but at times I wonder if it's not self-sabotage. And it is. If you, first of all, if you don't identify what your money scripts are and what your money stories are, they're going to run unconsciously and you are going to self-sabotage without even knowing it. The funny thing is, and and people don't realize this, money is talked about probably more as a topic in the Bible than anything else. But what you heard was that one story. But did you hear the one about the guy with the talents? The rich guy came and he gave one talent to one person, five talents to the next guy and 10 talents to the next guy. Went away for a couple of years and came back. And the one who had 10 talents got 20 talents, right? And the other one who had five talents said, hey, now I have 10 talents. And the guy who had one talent said, well, I knew you were a hard man. And so I just buried the money. Here's your one talent back. And the the parabola was you are wicked for not even putting my money in the bank and earning interest. I'm taking your one talent and I'm giving it to the guy who's got 20 talents. The Bible also says those who have more will get more. It's not necessarily this whole money is evil. It is. So people say, oh, uh, money is the root of all evil. And that comes out of the Bible. The love of money is the root of all evil. Everyone forgets the love of part, which is that you make money your God. And I understand that. Money is not a God. Money is just energy that allows you to live life. And you trade your energy back and forth. And you can make your energy grow by connecting with other people and and multiplying. So money's not evil. The other thing is we're told in school math is hard. So nobody wants to look at math, right? Like, the math is hard, Rocky. I mean, I don't want to burst the bubble, brother. But <laughs> For you, math is hard. For me, math is easy. But that's the problem. If math is hard and you don't want to look at financial reports, you're doomed to failure. This is why so many business owners struggle. It doesn't have to be this way. We can show you easy ways to, to but you've got to change your underlying scripts. And this goes for people too. It doesn't matter if you're a business owner, people do the same thing. You've got a job just over broke, right? Because no matter how much you make, you spend a little bit more. People spend too much. It's life. Stop spending so much. But now if we stop spending so much, how do we live this abundant life that everybody's looking for? I mean, you have to spend to have it. I mean, how do you find that abundance outside of spending? Why is it that a poor kid in Africa has a bigger smile on their face than a rich kid in America? 
<laughs> Tell me that. You know, you are tricked into believing that having stuff is going to give you an abundant life. An abundant life is actually less because the less you have, the less things you're beholden to. I go buy a Mercedes. Now I got to keep paying for this Mercedes. And next year there's a new model. And now I feel bad because the new model looks better than my model, but I'm still stuck on it. And it got a scratch and now I'm mad. And now I got to park all the way at the far end of the parking lot because I don't want anyone near my car. That, that, look at all the hassles that brings. You know, you got a junker. You don't care. You have fun. You live an abundant life. Let's go over the bomb full speed. <laughs> I, I can definitely relate to that. I mean, I remember when grandma bought me my first brand new car. Grandma bought me a new car for graduation. And it was just that. She bought me that car. I had to, I mean, I went to great extents to keep this car just pristine. I mean, everything you could possibly do to keep a car pristine, I did it. I'm washing it damn near every day. And I mean, I'm just, nobody, don't bring a drink in here. Don't bring, I mean, and I'm in high school. You're trying to get your friends not to drag this stuff into the car. It's pretty difficult. But you're right. It put a whole lot of stress on a situation, whereas before I had a, a little Ford Escort beater, you know, and we just all, and we got in trouble, but there'd be six or seven or eight of us piled into this Ford Escort at times, stacked on top of each other. We didn't care. We're just going, being teenagers, having fun, doing our thing, living our lives. But that all changed when I got the, and you'll laugh, the Geostorm. So, you know, I thought it was the cat daddy when I had my brand new Geostorm. So, but yeah, I mean, it puts all these expectations and it, it puts all this pressure on you to continue to perform. I think we see that not just from a financial perspective, but from a quote unquote success perspective as, as well. You know, I don't know what it is, but every goal, it doesn't matter what goal it has ever been that I achieved. And I always relate it back to martial arts, karate, because I always thought as a kid, I was skinny, I was frail, got beat up a lot and blah, blah, blah. So I thought if I was a black belt, I could rule the world. And so, you know, eventually I got there, I got that black belt, I strapped it on. And guess what? It was cool for, you know, a little while. But then I realized I'm in a room full of black belts. And now I'm just that average cat again. And the pressure is always there to be better. So I had to get that second degree and that third degree and that, you know, I, I didn't go beyond that. But there are so many times that we reach these goals or we have these false expectations that if we achieve something or we reach a certain financial level that suddenly we're going to have happiness beyond our wildest dreams. And it doesn't happen that way, bro. And that's what most people say. I will be happy when fill in the blank. Yeah. You have to be happy on the journey. You have to be happy in the moment today. And happiness comes from letting go. You don't need, I mean, I mean they've done studies on happiness. They said, it, I think the, the number is about 75,000 bucks a year. You make $75,000 a year. Beyond that, your happiness is not going to change. Wow. And so you keep buying more, but it, your base happiness doesn't change. And so here's the other surprising thing. You know, everyone rails about the 1%. You know how much you need to make to be in the 1% of the world? It's not that much. No, it's like 33,000 bucks a year. If you make $33,000 a year, you're in the 1% of the world. Damn it, go be happy. You're a one percenter. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, but no, I mean, you're right. And it's perspective. And I love the fact that you help people find that perspective. And through your profit first approach, 
How do you help people go beyond that? How do you, once they get their profit lined out, they understand your principles, they understand your approach. Now, how do you help them start getting the most out of understanding their, that profit first mentality? So the big part of what we do is I'm kind of like a trainer at the gym, right? We help you get in shape financially. Okay. And then we help you to stay there. You're going to hit hiccups. But the biggest thing we like to do is to build up cash reserves and investment reserves because we're going to hit a target number. If you can hit your financial target number, you get to say, screw you to the world. You get to say, I'm doing whatever I want. If I don't want to work today, I'm not working today. If I don't like working for you because you're not nice, I quit. I get to choose my life and how I choose to live it. It's freedom. That's essentially what this all comes down to is building your financial freedom so you have the choice to make the choices you want in life, whatever that is, and to be able to go do that. Most people are too busy chasing more instead of enjoying it. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was going to say. That can be so difficult to comprehend, though, because, I mean, every day we're bombarded with messages that we need more. You need this. You need that. I mean, you can't turn anywhere without seeing some sort of marketing campaign, whether it's a social media platform or whether it's on television or even if you, you know, I don't even really watch a whole lot of TV. And when I do, I usually watch some sort of paid service, whether it's Netflix or Hulu or whatever it might be. But even there, you're being bombarded with marketing campaigns all of the time. Even, I mean, they're embedded in the shows that you're watching even. I mean, we all want that secret sauce where we understand that we can be satisfied. We can be happy. But that seems to me like the biggest struggle with what you do is just getting people to understand that, hey, this is real. This can actually occur. I mean, a big part of it is just turning off the noise, understanding that externals aren't going to make you happy. It's internal. It's the battle with yourself and your mind over what you really need and realizing that you are enough and you have enough and you know a new car is not going to make you happy for more than about 10 minutes like it won't it's just the reality of the situation and it's hard to do that because our society pushes it all on us like you said you just have to learn to to say no and walk away and, and choose a different lifestyle there's a whole group out there called choose fi which is choosing financial independence. And these people all live on less than what they make. If you read The Millionaire Next Door, those people were all driving Chevys, right? They're not living this big financial, but they have money and then they just have freedom. So ultimately it's time freedom. I think the next question though is, is what's the point in having all the money if you're not gonna spend it? If you're not gonna use it? If you're not gonna take advantage of it? You can spend money there's nothing wrong with that, but it's like baking a cake, right? Okay. If you bake a cake and you have a recipe, what if I started with the frosting first and then I put some eggs on top of the frosting and then I put it in the oven and then I take it out and add the flour? What do you have? A mess. Once you build your financial freedom, you have the ability to say, I would like this or I like that. Most people are signing up for debt items before they ever build their wealth. And so their expectation, I want it now, I want it now. And this is about delayed gratification. You know, when you can buy the car for cash, it's so much easier. You make a choice and say, do I really want this car? Let me stroke a check and get on with life. And I think you start to realize that, I think it's, you have to go through that internal change yourself to, to say, I really don't need 
all of this for a car. It, it's not serving me. It's going to, I mean, at the end of the day, it's going to take you to the same place in the same amount of time. You know, 30, 40 grand, you can get a nice car. It's just the reality of it. I think, but we tell ourselves stories. So it's really a point of priorities and reprioritizing. You know, I, I mentioned the, you know, just the first this year I started podcasting full time. One of the things that I did as part of that transition was I sold my Jeep. I had a cat daddy Jeep that came from a custom Jeep builder here in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. They're known for making these cat daddy Jeeps. And man, I can remember decades, literally 20 years ago, wanting one of these Jeeps and going, I'll never be able to have one of those. So I eventually got to the point where, well, I was able to snag me one of those Jeeps. And it was the coolest Jeep ever. And I'd had it for about two, three years, maybe two and a half years. I put 4,000 miles on it in that amount of time. It primarily sat in the garage and just took up space. And, you know, that payment came due every month, right? The irony there is my wife and I, even at the time, we worked at the same company. We drove to work together. So we're always taking the Ford. We never take the Jeep because she couldn't get into the Jeep. She's too short. She's too short. So she had a hard time getting in and out of the Jeep. I tried, but even, you know, it. it she's like 4'11". <laughs> you didn't have a little step stool. So, you know, I have the same problem with kind of the opposite way of people want, I want a Lamborghini. Half yeah. of these people can't even get in the Lamborghini and get out of the Lamborghini. Right. Exactly. It's not comfortable. Not at all. And that was my point is that the first of the year, in order for me to make that transition, I had already committed to selling the Jeep. I mean, what's the point in having it? I go nowhere. I work out of the house, right? I very rarely need a vehicle. When I do, my wife, she's well, because of COVID, and she now works at the office three days a week. She's home two days a week. If I need to get out, I can schedule around that or grab an Uber. So what's the point in having that massive payment along with the higher insurance premiums and everything that goes along with having this ego stroke? That's all it was, you know, an ego stroke. Every once in a while, because it had the 4,000 miles, I'd go, honey, you drive to work your way. I'm going to go my way. And I'd jump in the Jeep, drop the, you know, the windows or maybe have the top off and listen to some tunes on my way to work and then pull up at the office. That's all it was for. It served no other purpose whatsoever. So again, it was reprioritizing. You know, my priority was building my podcast and building my podcast business and podcast boost. And that being my priority, I didn't need all this other peripherals. So I implemented that right out of the gate. I got rid of the Jeep. I lowered those insurance premiums and we did the same thing. We paid off the other car. So now we don't have a car payment, you know? I mean, yeah, what? <laughs> As Americans, we do not have a car payment. How weird is that? You know, I remember when I was selling cars back in the early 90s, that was one of our pitches. You know, guys, I tell you what, you really need this car because there's two things in life that everybody has, and that's a mortgage and a car payment. You're always going to have it. It's fine. Go ahead and do it. That is so wrong. You don't need to do that. And it all comes down to how we've been programmed and how we prioritize our lives and our financial expenditures. And I think cars are a classic example of that, right? Sure. So your boss goes, oh, you should get a new car. Why does he say that? Because if you have a payment, you need to work harder. The auto sales guy says you should buy a new car. Why? Because he gets a commission. Of course. The guy across the street says you should buy a new car. Why? Because he wants a new car and he needs an excuse to say to his wife, well, he bought a new car. Why can't we get a new car? Like, as you said, everything is stacked against you. And at the end of the day, you barely drive it. Everything you need, you already have. Yeah. 
And I think for me, a bigger part of it is time freedom and having time freedom. That's it. Well, and we back ourselves into a corner and we prevent ourselves from having that time freedom because of the fact that we get bombarded with all these messages and we don't have our priorities in alignment with our needs. And we find ourselves locked down. Now we're kicking rocks. Now we're depressed. Now we're going to the therapist. Now, I mean, the list goes on and on. Do you know why that is? Do you have a written life plan? Tell me. No, I don't. Okay. If I ask that question to 100 people, 98% of people are going to say what you just said. I got to be honest, Rocky. I've never heard of having a written life plan. This is the first. Oh, I have a written life plan. I already wrote my eulogy. Oh, wow. And it's not that I'm writing my eulogy that somebody's going to say it. I'm writing my eulogy because it tells me this is the kind of life I want to live. I've established targets for every part of my life. They're written down. Once I have targets, it is so easy to hit targets and not be distracted. Okay. So if you think about it, you know, going back to martial arts, if I give you a target, you can see you've probably got a good chance of hitting it. But if there's no target, you can't hit it. Sure. You're just making all these moves. You're like, am I doing well? I don't know. I went this way. I went that way. But there was no target. (laughs) And so you get caught in the drift. And that's where 98% of people are in the drift. They're going through life with no end game. Right? And once you have targets, it becomes so simple. Hey, this is how I want to live my life. Oh, do you want to do this? Well, hold on. Let me look. Well, no, that's not part of my life plan. It's not getting me closer to my targets. Thank you, but no. This is what my target is. Can you help me get there? Oh, you can? Great. Then let's go work on that. That's amazing. That's amazing. And it's such a different perspective. I'm still trying to process even having the life plan because, like I say, I've never even heard of that before. Defined for health, wealth, time, work, relationships, spirituality, all these things right? You're married. What are your goals for your marriage? Do you want date night once a week? You put it in your life plan. You know, you put your financial numbers in the life plan. My goal is to have 2 million bucks, for example. Okay. Well, how much do I need to put away each month and how fast do I want to hit my goal? It becomes a simple math problem. How do I want to, what kind of friends do I want to have? And then you go and you're like, well, that person doesn't meet that goal. So, we're going to go find a different person to be friends with. <laughs> Let's see. No, it doesn't check out. Yeah. No, that's an interesting perspective, man. Again, that's something I'm going to have to do some. Are there any resources out there for writing a life plan or any books that you would recommend to help people understand the process more? Yeah. So my favorite book for this is Living Forward. It's by Michael Hyatt and Daniel Harkavy. It shows you what the problem is, which is being in the drift. And we'll talk about that in a second. And then it gives you a step-by-step plan of how to write your life plan. There's even examples. And, and it tells you exactly what to do. And you just have to do it, which is a struggle for a lot of people. But I have a lot of my clients who want me to help them through the process. I take them through the process. Because once I know what your life plan goals are, it becomes so much easier to make sure the business is in alignment with you. So you've probably read Napoleon Hill, right? Think and Grow Rich. Do you know he has another book called Outwitting the Devil? I don't believe I knew that, no. So the book was written back in the 1930s. It wasn't released until like within the last 10 years. Oh, wow. Because his family thought it was so controversial that they didn't want him to release it. And it finally got released. 
Outwitting the devil is basically the fact that the devil wins when you're in the drift. And everybody is there to put you in the drift. Your church can put you in the drift. Your school puts you in the drift. Your work puts you in the drift. Until you decide what you want for life and you get clarity on it, you're in the drift. And that is where most people are. And that is why they struggle. And that's why all these people have anxiety and unhappiness and so forth. They haven't defined what they want out of life. I don't even think most people realize they're in the drift per se. You're just chasing. We don't really know what we're chasing. Of course not. We're just chasing. We're chasing that high. We're chasing that success. We're chasing that approval. We're chasing that love. We're chasing, chasing. And it it sounds synonymous with being in the drift. It is. And love's a funny one. Most people settle because they're afraid to ask the person they truly want to be with them because they don't want to get turned down. So they settle. They're in the drift. I got lucky. You know, it's interesting, especially when talking about love. When I met my wife, who I've been with now 21 years, I was at a very confident place in my life. And I know that if I wasn't right there in that moment, at that point of my life, I would have never approached my wife, my soon-to-be wife. And for whatever reason, you know, it was meant to be, however you want to deem it, it doesn't matter. I had the confidence to walk up and just boom, very direct, very on point, very interface. Six months later, interface in a nice way, but six months later, we're off to Vegas. We got married and we've been married ever since. Now, that's not to say that it wasn't the sweetest love story of all time or that it was the sweetest love story of all time because it wasn't. The first three years were torture. They were horrible. And I'm surprised we survived, but I'm thankful that we did because the 17 years since have been tremendous, even though it's had its own trials and tribulations. It's been very uplifting, and I can't imagine my life any other way. But you're right. People settle, and I would have settled as well. And I mean, well, this sounds disrespectful, so no disrespect intended, but I was married one time before that as well. I I don't want to say I settled, but maybe I did. I don't know. You know, (laughs) there are two great kids that came out of that marriage and they're very successful. They're phenomenal. I don't know that our paths really were in alignment, even at the time that we got together. If you, if you kind of follow in there, you've been married for 21 years. What were you like 12 when you married the first one? (laughs) I'm nearly 50 Rocky. You know, most people don't realize that I'll be 49 in, uh, in about six weeks. So yeah, I've been around a day or two. My first wife, yeah, we got married when we were, what, 18, I think. I was 18. She was 20 or 21. She had a couple of years on me. So uh, yeah, I got started very young and we were together, I don't know, six, seven years. And then Tracy and I, we got together. We met in, in 2000 and been together ever since. So pretty cool deal there. But, but yeah, it's interesting to see how that lack of confidence or the fact that we're just in the drift, we just settle for things and we accept the things and we perceive them as things that we can't change when really we can, if we just adjust those priorities and we have that life plan that you're mentioning put in place. And I think a lot of people don't even see the possibilities they have because you're constantly put down. Yes. You're constantly held back. I mean, they train you that in school. You know, you're not good enough. Uh, You're not doing this. And the work does the same thing, right? And when you actually imagine what is possible and you set a goal and a target, it's not going to happen overnight. But over time, you can achieve great things. You just have to set your mind to it. Yeah. And then figure out how to go achieve it. Too often we sit there going, I wish I did this. I wish I did that. I want to do this, but nobody's willing to do the hard work to actually achieve those results. 
Well, Rocky, where can people find out more about you and the profit first approach to their lives? So before that, okay, if you're listening to this, right, and you like Larry, did you rate and review his show yet? <laughs> Could you please do that for him? He would really appreciate it. It helps the algorithms. It helps him get more listeners. He's trying to build a life off of this podcast, so be nice to him. As for me. I love it, Rocky. Thank you so much, man. Who does that? Nobody's ever done that before. I've recorded hundreds and hundreds of podcast episodes over the last six, seven years. No one has ever done that. That was tremendous. Thank you so much. You are welcome. I know uh, the world of podcasting is lonely, right? It can be. Everybody takes everything and nobody gives. So be nice to Larry and give. It won't take you a minute to swipe up on your phone. There you go. If you're a business owner and you want to learn how to implement Profit First, the podcast is Profit Answer Man, and I teach everything. I give it all away for free. There's no secret sauce hidden away. I teach everything on the podcast. You can listen, learn, and implement on your own. And if you want to learn how to live this ultimate life, that's on Richer Soul. And literally, I will lay out how to look at each part of your life, what is important. And then we've got tons of people who are actually living this kind of life that come on and share how to live it. And so you can learn how to do this and it doesn't cost you anything. And we don't hide anything behind the curtain. It's all free. No marketing, no selling to you, no nothing. You got everything you need to make this happen. Wow. That is amazing. And I was curious what the difference was between the two podcasts because I realized you had them both. So Richer Soul is for just that, living your life more fully and, and, and richer in that perspective. And then the Profit Answer Man, that breaks it down from a business perspective and, and lets you know how to, how to reprioritize your spending and reprioritizing your approach to your business and your profits. So that's amazing. So Rocky, thank you so very much for joining me. Thank you again for the plug. I love it. Everybody go out, check out Rocky, and check out his two podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to both of those as well. And I look forward to talking to you again next week. Everybody take care.